We rarely know what lies beneath the sexy, filtered version of life that we see online. So we're lifting the lid and having the conversations about money that no one else is having. So settle in, grab yourself a coffee and come join the conversation. What does dating look like in 2022, post-pandemic and with the looming cost of living crisis? And is the era of dating apps over, or are they truly here to last? These are the questions that we asked Crystal Cansdale, dating expert and head of comms at Dating App Inner Circle. We asked Crystal what makes a dating app last in today's market, the emerging trends in dating, and we discussed whether financial compatibility is something that people are actively looking for today. Crystal shares some amazing insights and data gathered by Inner Circle about what the dating landscape actually looks like today, both in the UK and abroad, and whether we're finally shifting away from some of the unhelpful narratives around romance. We'd love to know what is actually different about Inner Circle and what was the problem it was actually created to solve in the first place? Yeah, there's so many out there right now, right? But I think there's actually only a few that have stuck around for a while. Like We're celebrating our 10-year birthday this year. Um, and I think there's lots of other niche ones popping up and it'll be really interesting to see how long TikTok-style dating apps actually stick around as well. But yeah, Inner Circle was started 10 years ago, as I mentioned, and it was really to offer singles a more niche option to dating apps. So a kind of smaller, more curated group of singles. And we really just tried to focus on the quality rather than the quantity that you get with apps who have like, you know, 20 plus million people on their apps across the world. So the difference with Inner Circle, though, is that we screen all of our members before they're actually accepted onto the platform. And that's not on looks or salary, but it's actually on like safety and effort. So we can really offer our members a much better experience than just endless swiping and having to kind of, you know, sift through the trash, essentially. <laughs> can you can you tell us a bit more about how that screening process actually works? What is it that you're looking for when you're vetting an applicant? Yeah, of course. And I know that we get a lot of um, questions around this in the moment that you hear that a dating app has a screening process. It probably sounds a little bit like, you know, dating's already tough enough and now I need to get judged by the app itself. Um, but I like to think of it a little bit like a nightclub. So it's like we have really good bouncers on the door, making sure that the experience inside is good rather than letting everyone in and then like having to frantically run around and put out fires. Um, so a lot of the work that we do in screening goes into safety at the beginning. So we do checks to make sure that people are who they actually say they are and that members don't have to deal with like fakes, scammers, spammers or even catfishing, because at the moment, you know, safety is becoming such a big problem on dating apps. And there's so much work that has to go into find like the scamming rings or the spammers like we've all seen Tinder Swindler. So there's the side of it that are people who are pretending to be fake people. But then there's the side of people who are real people. And yet they're still like scamming people. So there's like real nuances there to have to try and catch people. So at the beginning, if we can do some of the work or the majority of the work, that makes it a much safer platform for us. Then the second bit is looking at effort. So has someone actually gone beyond writing six foot three, if that matters on their profile? Because I mean, when I was using dating apps, that's 
all I saw or you have like one picture and they're looking out to the beach and you can't actually see who they are so we have like a screening team of people who actually see all of these profiles and if one comes through where we can see that they probably want to try at dating but they haven't got their profile quite right we'll work with them and be like hey come on put a few more pictures on and then we'll let you in but right now this quality that we're going for isn't going to be there if we just have loads of profiles of you know random bios like sometimes we'll get people trying to sign up saying their job is like um a dolphin trainer and I'm sure they are right there but how common that is I'm not sure (laughs) and do you think that this is part of the reason why you have stuck around so long is that vetting process what actually you know ultimately has made you stand out and do you actually think that inner circle is more successful than some of the other apps It depends what you look at successful on, right? Like if you look at it on the numbers that Tinder has, for example, then you would say, oh, they're more successful because they have bigger numbers. But I think it's also about what it comes, what it comes down to is like our mission and what we're trying to achieve. So for us, we're really also trying to make a space for um, a niche group of people who are looking to date as well. We don't want to cater for everyone because the moment you do that, it gets harder to actually find someone that you're compatible with. So the third thing that we screen on is mindset. So we're looking for kind of career-minded, ambitious singles who are looking to date. And that's because we like to see it as a bit like walking into your favorite bar. Like if you're going out with your single girl mates, looking to date, you would go to a bar that you think people who are similar to you would actually go to. You wouldn't go to a bar on the other side of town in an area that you're not interested in, in a bar that you've never been to. So we try to curate it a bit more in that way rather than having to use like 10 different filters to like, you know, pin down the one person that you're looking for. Can you give me an example of like when you would get an applicant and you can see that they're the wrong mindset? They might have made the effort. They might be really serious about dating and want to meet someone, but they're just not quite a fit for the inner circle kind of group that unlikely to be compatible. So for us, it's, you know, they're the three pillars that we screen on, but it doesn't mean that you have to score 100 on all of them. What we're looking for is a balance. So as you just said, if we can see that someone is 100% who they say they are and all of their safety is in there and they've written an amazing, amazing bio, but they are an Uber driver, who are we to say that they're not an ambitious Uber driver or that they also are doing some courses on the side of it or that they're also looking for someone in maybe they're looking for a super successful woman who's gonna like you know be able to let them stay at home a couple of days a week like those are the nuances that we of course can't judge and there may be like a really successful female lawyer out there who doesn't want a guy who's also a lawyer she just wants someone that she really clicks with so they're the nuances that we really do allow for as well so it could be like 80 80 on safety and effort and maybe like 40 on what we think is mindset but it's a combination of these things to make sure that the mindset is also I'm putting the effort into dating and I care about it so yeah mindset is a bit looser but we have to try and create a curated circle of people so when you come on to the dating app you have an idea of who you're going to meet yeah that makes total sense and I think what's so interesting is like a lot of apps nowadays are focused very much on literally like that first visual impression. Yeah. Is that something that you also take into account that in a circle, do people put 
in their applications what their kind of preferences are or do you really try to encourage members to focus on the other aspects of compatibility? Yeah, that's a really good question. Obviously, we can't deny that with a dating app, you know, pictures are the first thing that you see of someone. And for a lot of people, physical attraction is very, very important. But I don't know if you've like gone through a inner circle profile or downloaded it yourself, but our profiles are super, super rich. So we'll have everything on there from really clever things that I think actually will make people think about whether you're compatible with someone. But like, where was the last place you went on holiday? What are your favorite bars that you go to? So for me, if I was dating a guy and I was like, oh, he also likes that pub in Hackney, then I'm going to be like, we're probably from a similar group of people. And like, I know that there's like a 60% chance I'll get on with you. Um, and then we have things like uh, sections that say who's up for. So someone could be like, oh, who's up for going to the Tate this weekend or who's up for rock climbing this weekend? And they're just like really small things that actually give you quite a good impression of someone rather than saying, um, I smoke, I don't have children, I don't do drugs. <laughs> you you mentioned that, and I can completely see what you're saying. I'm sure everyone can agree. If you kind of see, oh, you like that pub in Hackney too. It's like, yeah, it's likely we come from a similar group of people. We have a similar lifestyle and we're probably likely to get on. Um, and I'd love to know of the kind of factors that make up compatibility, um, and I know you've done a lot of research into this and obviously made many successful matches. Have you found uh, that wealth and income has any relevance when it comes to com compatibility? Yeah, so it's not something that we've ever seen come out as like a screaming, this is super important. And I really do think that it comes down to the individual. So some people are looking for people that can match them when it comes to wealth and income. And maybe that's, you know, also... <sighs> thinking about whether they would get on well when they meet their parents and like people have all of these insecurities around that and I do think there's some people who are just looking for people who they click with um but of course there is the question of whether people with stark differences in wealth will be in the same circles to date each other as well and I think that that's something that we can't ignore um so yeah it's not it's, it's never something that we've seen okay I'm on this amount of money and I want someone who's also on this amount of money but I think as you know, my friends always used to say to me, it, there's a difference, I think, between kind of the class and what you have as your background. And then I think there's a difference in what is kind of earned yourself, right? And like, I hear a lot of my female friends saying, if this is what I can bring to the table, I also want someone who's going to be able to bring something to the table. Um, so I really do think it's quite an individualistic thing around wealth and income and what people decide are their, like, morals in life or yeah fundamentals in life really I think one thing that I'm really interested in as well is um how the dating landscape has been over the last I guess two to three years because obviously we saw the pandemic and all of the traditional types of date went out the window like going for drinks at a bar going to the pub going to restaurants and I'd love to know did you see a change I guess in terms of the trends and also just the interest in dating like was there a big peak or was there actually like a big drop-off in interest in in a circle yeah absolutely so March yeah March 2020 it's a long time ago now um we 
obviously started to see some differences in how people were dating. So we actually started a kind of trend report called the state of dating um, and looking at how it changed over time in Corona. And at the beginning, there was a massive spe- uh, spike in activity on the app. And I think that's because people were at home. We thought we weren't going to be there for very long. So it was like, this is an opportunity to like have a few cheeky conversations, like keep myself, you know, a bit busy, maybe set up some dates for the month later that we all thought that we would be out of lockdown. And then we really saw it kind of go as like a, a, a spike of interest. And then it kind of went down when people realized, okay, this is what we're in for now. And I think everyone just got a bit depressed and kind of like, what is the state of the world right now? And then we saw people really adapt, which was super interesting. So Zoom dating became a massive thing at the beginning. And actually, we see that that is kind of sticking around now as a bit of a vetting process. So it's like, do I really want to go out and spend a Thursday or Friday night and quite a lot of money dating someone that I don't really know? I could have, even if it's like voice notes or a Zoom call or just a quick chat on the phone beforehand to see if that's vibes there. It's like a new vetting process that's been introduced, which I think is actually quite helpful and really good for safety as well. And then obviously there was the walk-in dates. So I went on quite a few myself. It's like, okay, when we get this park and then walk around until one of us needs the toilet. So yeah, there were definitely some changes. I think some that um, are here to stay, like the kind of vetting process, and then some that I think have also just made us feel a bit more relaxed about how we can date. So the whole kind of sober versus drinking dating as well. I think previously to COVID, a lot of people would have been like a coffee date during the day. Like, no, I need a couple of drinks to make me feel comfortable. Whereas I see a lot of my friends now just being like, sure, I'm going to meet this guy for two hours for a coffee on a Saturday afternoon, see if there's a vibe, then the next date becomes one where you invest a bit more time and money. I think at the moment, there does feel like this shift away from spending too much time and too much money on dating because we find ourselves in this time where people are struggling literally just to pay their energy bills. I know that you guys have a campaign around this and I'd love to hear your kind of ideas and work on the ways people can continue to date in a time when money is is tight. Yeah, of course. And we thought about it like, are people still going to put dating at the top of a priority list when, as you say, they're struggling to pay their energy bills? Um, And I think especially spending your money on a complete stranger (laughs) when you could put that money towards like your weekly shop or spending time with your family or your best mates. Um, So we basically did this campaign where we looked at cheap frills and it's like, can you get a frill from dating cheaply or does it have to be all, you know, fancy cocktail bars and really nice restaurants? Um, And we actually found that like, well, firstly, so like 40% of people said that they're getting super pickier than where who they go on dates with and where they go on dates um but a third of people said that they actually prefer a cheaper date so going for a coffee or a walk or even grabbing like fish and chips um is something that I actually think is quite romantic in itself to like bring it all down a little bit and take away all of the you know the flashy stuff and people said that they feel more comfortable um and that kind of the expectations have taken away from it which I actually think leads to a bit of a stronger connection as well I agree completely on that one actually and I think you get to know the person more you are more vulnerable and exposed in a way but you you probably do realize more quickly whether you're compatible or not yeah and I think it also makes the stakes seem a little less high 
you know, if I was going on a first or even second date and the guy's like, okay, I've got this amazing restaurant for us and we're going to go here. I'm going to be like, wow, like you're really expecting this to go super well or how do I have to behave in this situation? And you don't really, I feel like everyone's putting up a bit of a guise there rather than being who they really are. Yeah. And I think especially like, as we're saying, with things getting a bit tighter financially, then also, although I know you can put as much or as little effort into like how you dress and get ready for a a coffee date, then I think for most people, it is also probably less like intensive when it comes to all of the prep and things for um, for going on a date in the park or going to yeah a coffee shop compared to going for like a fancy dinner out as well. Yeah. And also like even the early stages of dating the same person, like I'd remember being like, okay, we're going to go on two dates a week to try and get to know each other. So that's like, you know, this many dates over the month. Do I have enough outfits to wear for that so that he doesn't think I just dressed the same? And when you think about that now, it's like, well, yeah, I would just have to wear the same stuff. And that's fine if you're just like going to the park or going to the pub. But if you're going from, you know, gig to fancy restaurant to okay now let's go and play mini golf or whatever it's um yeah I'm definitely for the cheaper more chill dating style I do think that you know when it comes to gender roles and what's expected like men really do think that they have to put on this this show and like try and spoil someone um but again through the research that we did people said that they don't expect this and it wouldn't make them think less of someone if they were to suggest a cheaper date or, you know, even pull out a, oh, actually, I've got a deal on this restaurant. Do you want to go there? Like, I think those things are totally accepted now and that we need to kind of break down that stigma of people thinking that to, you know, woo someone or impress them, you have to pull out all the stops because I think that culture has really left dating actually. Do you get a sense that people are being more candid upfront about their financial situations in the earlier stages of dating? Yeah, it's a tricky one as to whether people are openly talking about money because it's one of the biggest taboos, right? But I do think that people are more open to talking about their situation and just saying a little bit more of, yes, that suits me. No, it doesn't suit me. Um, I also think that, you know, there's a trend for authenticity, if if we can call it a trend, but it's, it's, it's becoming much bigger. And I think that we'll see a lot of daters in the future, especially Gen Z, just being super, super honest about what their situation is, whether it's like what they're looking for romantically or, you know, saying, I'm not sure where I sit with this or what I'm looking for if I want to be polyamorous. And I also think they'll be totally fine just talking about their financial situation. So I don't think we're going to blink an eye at two people saying they're going on a walk for a date because they're tight on cash. Yeah, totally. I think that is one of the the many learnings I think is coming through from Gen Z. Like they seem to be so much more upfront, I guess, and less bought into putting on a bit of a show, which I think a lot of millennials, myself included, have kind of been brought up around where everything's about like, oh, I have to make sure everything looks perfect. Um, But Another thing that I've seen starting to happen, and there are various different approaches to it, is that dating apps are actually starting to kind of merge into real life and hosting lots of different events to to help people to get that, I guess, human connection again, which some people think was lost a little bit by the rise of dating apps. And it'd be great to know whether that's something that you guys 
think is actually a positive step and it's something that you guys are looking to do more and more of at Inner Circle and what the the benefits are to having that those events in real life. Yeah absolutely as I said we're um, celebrating 10 years of dating and it's actually like 10 years of what we call like swipe culture now Um, and you're seeing a lot of trend pieces around of you know what happens to online dating now? Have we hit a kind of dead end with it? There's a lot of fatigue around it. Um, And I do think that to solve that dating fatigue, we have to get people offline. And it's been a big part of what we do at Inner Circle since we started. So we've been running singles parties yeah, since 10 years ago, um, we celebrated our 500th. the last month um and that's across like so many different venues different countries different cities um and we really see that they help people um kind of break down that first barrier of um yeah are you going to have a connection with someone and are you going to invest that whole night just on one person whereas they can meet in this place and what we definitely try to do is take away any of that awkward speed dating situation so we just get a really cool bar venue music put on some like snack bites for everyone and you you just see people walk around end up chatting and by the end of the night they're all dancing away we see a couple of people snogging in the corner and we're like yeah success um and then it might be afterwards that they then go and find that person on the app because you can actually search by first name on inner circle which is quite nice so if you do meet someone at one of our uh, parties and you don't swap numbers or like that you know you end up losing them you can be like okay I'm gonna just search for James and see if he comes up um and then you find that people end up yeah going on a few more dates afterwards where they actually have felt a bit more comfortable especially for people who are a bit you know shy about going on a one-on-one first date I think it really really helps yeah for sure I can imagine and I think it's very interesting that you do it in kind of different countries and different cities I'd love to know do you have to kind of plan the events differently around dating culture in you know in different parts of the world um so we do a lot of work in Latin America so Brazil is huge for us and what we see there is that they just really are up for a party so you'll find that people go there with a lot of their friends and just really want to meet new people. Um, Whereas in the UK, for example, we find that we have more people coming on their own because they really see it as like a traditional kind of dating thing. And when they come, they're like, oh, quite nicely surprised that it's not, I have to sit down and talk to 10 people (laughs) one minute at a time. But I think the UK in itself has that real 90s dating events kind of thing embedded in it. So yeah, in Brazil, I would say, more of like a party vibe and then we see that lots of people have made friends from it actually and end up starting whatsapp groups where they then go on and create other inner circle nights out and they let us know how it went or like ask us if we want to get involved in helping them throw other parties and that's a trend that we don't see as much in the UK yeah I find that really interesting and I think about dating culture and I don't think I particularly like the dating culture of the UK and I suspect for that reason like I'd probably rather attend an inner circle party in Brazil uh (laughs) than in we'll fly you over and take you to the next one (laughs) thank you thank you um I'd really love to ask you a slightly different question how do you balance um the fact that as a business in a circle is reliant on people being single uh you know for its customer base with the mission of getting people you know off dating websites and into relationships 
Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And obviously, you know, again, there's lots of thought pieces out there about the evil side of dating apps and whether we're here just to keep people endlessly single. Um, and it's really, really not the case. So like internally, we have a mission to get people together, essentially. So whether that, because also we have to look at it in the change in the way society is changing as well. Everyone's not looking for that end goal, right? So we're also assuming that everyone could end up in relationships and then like job done, we're out of business, but also like polyamorous people, people who have decided they don't want to settle down and get married. Divorce rates are higher. Like how we are dating and the ages that we're dating as well is completely changing. So I think it's it's almost like, yeah, are we here for a long time or like a good time kind of thing? So we we really need to, I think that we're just allowing people to date in the way that they want to right now. If, you know, we say that we will help people like change the course of their lives. And that doesn't need to be like, the end goal of marriage until you're 80 it could also be that you've explored dating for the first time after you know being divorced and you have kids or like even the challenge of yeah dating with children so would I say that I'd love to be out of a job because everyone was in a relationship probably not because I don't think that that's what the world and society needs right now is for everyone to like find their find their soulmate no and I think you know the reality is like that is, is never going to happen like it never has happened it never will happen there will always be single people um and I guess it's just an evolution of how people meet people and date and find partnerships but I'm just thinking for anybody that is listening to this and is actually you know at that point in their life where they want to get serious about dating what kind of demographic would you say that inner circle is really aimed at or is it for anyone do you have a really wide range of of people on there yeah there's definitely a wide range of people on inner circle it's not like you're gonna find a 35 year old lawyer and that's it like that's the only type of guy (laughs) um but I do think it's to your point about if someone was um looking to get serious and obviously we've we've been talking about money a lot today as well um and I do think it's quite an interesting thing that we put a lot of money into other things that we want into life. So like going to the gym, education, courses, eating healthily. But I think a lot of people expect love to come for free. Um, And it's quite an interesting area of like, should it? But for me, I'm also thinking if you want a long-term marriage, if that's your end goal, putting aside a little bit of money to like date the right people could be a very worthwhile investment I'd love to hear like what you guys think about that as well in terms of you know cost of living but this is an end goal like it's something that we should be putting a little a little bit of money towards I think if it's going to be one of your big life goals. You know what I think that's I've never heard it articulated in that way but I think you make such an amazing point I completely agree and actually I think I think looking at kind of money and people spending all day long where you put your money really shows what your values are, what you're pursuing, what you want. So yeah, if you're spending money on the gym or eating healthily, it shows you're committed to health. So similarly, presumably, if you're putting some money towards dating and cultivating a relationship, then of course it would demonstrate that that's where your kind of uh, values lie. And I actually think you make such a good point. I think you're right, yeah. 
Yeah. So to so to bring that back to one of your question to your question just now. So Inner Circle is a paid for app. There's elements of it that you can use for free, but ultimately we are a paid for service. And you know, it sits in between that. We're not um like eHarmony old style dating if you pay for like a six month subscription and then we match you with certain people it's you know a bit more within your control but we do say that the type of people the demographic of what you're asking that you are going to get on the app is also people who have invested a little bit into dating so you know that they're that one step more serious about what they actually want from this and it doesn't have to be the marriage end goal it's just like okay I'm just gonna put a little bit of money towards this and really think about what I want who I'm gonna meet absolutely and I think just to go back as well to that question I think you do really like I guess make a good point that some people I think will probably never have thought about because I think we still often compare where we are today in society to where we were maybe 20 or 30 years ago, even if we weren't alive or, you know, dating then. But this idea that, you know, everything was effectively only available within your local network or for free, you had to meet people in real life because you didn't have the options of signing up to a dating app, which can help you with that. And it's the same with fitness to a degree, you know, Back in, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people had to go running outside or just do some weights at home because they didn't have all of these boutique gyms and things. But in the sense that we've kind of evolved and accepted that for some people to get where they want to go, the best option for something like fitness is to go and pay for a subscription. I think there is still a bit of a barrier when it comes to dating, but hopefully actually if people do reframe it like that, people will start to think, okay, yeah, I'm going to invest in this area of my life if it's important. Because I do think there are lots of people who maybe sit at home and think, I really want to meet someone, but I don't want to join the apps. I don't want to do that. And it's like, well, actually, you know, are you really that serious about it? If in 2022, you're not willing to to go out and use what is at your fingertips and what is available um, to do that? Yeah, I think it's also taken a bit away we have to take away a little bit of like the romance, like rom-com idea of it. Like you are not going to find the person you're looking for if you just sit at home and think I will bump into them at the coffee shop. Like this will happen. It's such, you know, it's, it, this doesn't happen very often um, of when people just meet someone in real life and it all goes great. Um and the, as we, as you say, like our communities come bigger, we move in different circles, especially if you're living a city life. Um, I think the opportunities for random romance are, are slim. So you do have to put a bit of work into it. Yeah. I was just going to say exactly that. I don't know, but I would suspect because I, I, I feel it during this conversation. I feel that the friction there lies with so many of us. I mean, I am really including myself here. <laughs> you still have an attachment to that fairy tale, the rom-coms, you know, all the movies and the shows we've grown up watching and thinking, yeah, I'm going to meet the love of my life in the coffee shop. And I think it's hard to break that. But I'd love to know because this must be you know, part of what you guys think about when you're um, doing events and, and shaping how the dating process happens. How do we cultivate romance in an active way, you know, rather than waiting for the chance encounter at the coffee shop? How can we be more proactive about it? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think there's lots of ways. And like when you were just saying that, 
and, and when I said it myself, like we have to take away some of the, the romance, I did think, oh, that's a little bit sad. But then I thought to some of the stories that we do have success stories through Inner Circle and there is romance there. So, you know, you may end up on a dating app meeting someone who lives in an entirely different city to you or you meet someone at the moment they're about to move countries or something and the romance is there in just like making that stick and making that work or maybe you do have entirely different friendship groups but you've found each other and you're like okay we want to make this work so I do think there is a different there's different challenges to overcome of meeting someone on a dating app where you can still inject a lot of romance so even you know living in London it's like do you want to travel the hour between Hackney and Peckham for this person that you really like yeah maybe that's romance now guys (laughs) oh my goodness I absolutely love it um and Just before we kind of wrap up and let you go, I'd love to know, do you have, because some of the things that you said about the the way the dating landscape is changing are so fascinating. And I'd love to know, do you guys have any insight or kind of views on where it's it's headed? Yeah, I think at the moment, you touched on it earlier. One of the biggest trends right now is going to be getting people offline and really trying to work out how we can bring the the best bits of what dating apps offer, but also add in that real life nuance because it's something that's never going to go away, right? I don't think we are going to be entirely dating through like VR headsets and (laughs) never meeting people in real life which you can you know there's there's plenty of ways where technology could take dating but that real connection and intimacy is is always going to be needed so the challenge for the whole industry I think and what we're doing at the moment by continuing with our events and also looking at other ways we can get people offline so through uh like date prompts so you know we'll be releasing some features soon which like really nudge people like if this conversation is kind of staying online a little bit too long we'll kind of give you a nudge as to like when are you going to plan your first date um so anything like that that dating apps can do and the industry can do to actually try and get people meeting in real life I think is where we need to take it that's so encouraging to hear because I really (laughs) really hope that my future partner if I find one won't be an avatar in the metaverse yes exactly. <laughs> I hope there will be a physical person in front of me um, we have needs. <laughs> exactly we all do have needs which I can't imagine could be satisfied in the digital <laughs> world but who knows let's see shall we um, but for anybody who's listened to this conversation and actually hasn't necessarily stepped into the world of dating apps maybe because they've watched Tinder Swindler and been completely put off but thinks that Inner Circle sounds like a really interesting concept um, and want to learn more where can they find out a bit more about you? Yeah, so you can download the app on the App Store or Google Play. Um, you can also check out our Instagram. We talk a lot there about what our what our next events are, um, what's coming up, our new features. So yeah, I would direct people to those two places. Download the app, give it a try, sit down with your friends with a glass of wine, set up your profile. Amazing. It sounds great fun. Unfortunately, I am uh, unfortunately married, um, but... <laughs> Unfortunately married. Unfortunately <laughs> married. <laughs> but I am sure there are lots of people out there that are going to be listening to this and that are going to be 
following, joining, signing up. Um, and just thank you so much for coming on and sharing an insight into the world of Inner Circle with us.